بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم الحمد للہ سنائٹ از دا ٹوینٹی سیکنڈ آف جنوری ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی فور اینڈ انشاء good character so first with regards to humility in Imam Ahmed in his Zuhd Hisham ibn Hassan he relates some people were once talking about humility in the presence of Hassan al-Basri and he was remaining silent when they continued talking about it he suddenly said to them I see that you have gone at great lengths in talking about humility. They thereupon said, What is humility, O Abu Sa'id? He answered, When a person leaves his dwelling and considers every Muslim that he meets to be better than him. So, let's look at this. So, the discussion that the students of Hassan al-Basri were having was about humility. And of course, you can define humility a thousand and one ways. He was keeping quiet, meaning he was just listening to what they were saying. So one of them then said, what is humility? And this was his, his definition. When a person leaves his dwelling and every Muslim he comes across, he considers him to be better. So... Is that a normal description of humility? No, it's not. But this was a very high level. At the same time, how far we are from the mark. When a person says this person is known for his humility, if you apply this criteria, is he really humble or is she really humble? Sayyidina Anas, he relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, if you were not to sin, I would still fear for you that which is greater than it, al-ujub, i.e. conceit. Astaghfirullah. This is recorded in Bazar, Hassan al-Uqayli, Targheem, number 2508. Shaykh al-Bani, rahmatullahi, stated Hassan in As-Sahihah, volume 2, page 263. So look at the very interesting wording. If you didn't sin, so that's a hypothetical thing. The Prophet actually explained all the children of Adam sin, or they err, but the best are those who repent. So apart from the Prophets and Messengers, nobody's ma'asum, from the children of Adam. So hypothetically, the Prophet said, if you were in that condition, you were basically sinless, you didn't commit sin. He said, I would still fear for you something greater. Meaning all those sins you've avoided, barring shirk. I would fear for you something greater than that. And it's conceit. Astaghfirullah. So the Prophet was highlighting this is an utterly destructive trait. It by itself could destroy you. So imagine you've got no failing whatsoever in your character. Except this. The Prophet goes, that will destroy you. Mm-hmm. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
So here, Sheikh Muhammad Uthman, or Mawlana Muhammad Uthman, he clarified in his commentary on the Targheeb, page 896 of the English translation, a man who thinks highly of himself begins to look at others as debased. This condition is worse than the sinners because the sinner may after all repent and seek forgiveness. Our religious elders, Rahimahumullah, have said, the seeking of forgiveness after disobedience is better than pride after obedience. However, this does not imply in any way that a man must commit sins boldly and curb the desire to be pious, fearing pride. It only warns us against conceit. So this is a very important clarification. So what the respected Hanafi Sheikh was simply saying is that when a person starts to think of himself better than others, what happens? He considers the others to be, you know, lower than him. Well, how do you know that? Right? So for instance, you see a person, you think, I'm better than him. Well, first of all, how do you know that? It's impossible to know that. And the other disaster is, do people in that mindset think of seeking forgiveness? They don't even consider it to be a sin. Then he said something which is very interesting. The seeking of forgiveness after disobedience. So think about that. You've committed a sin. You've then asked forgiveness. He goes, that's better than obedience followed by pride. Look how amazing that statement is. So you've done a good deed. And you think yourself, you know, better than others because of that deed. He goes, that is worse than a sinful person who's asked for forgiveness. Going back to what the Prophet said, Allah I fear for you with this, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But then he said by way of caution, but you got to be careful. Because if you look at what the Shaykh said, seeking forgiveness after a sin is better than pride after obedience, Shaytan can trip you up. Shaytan will then tell you, well, just commit sins. Keep asking forgiveness. He goes, that is not what is meant here. What is meant here is to curb the desire to be pious, i.e. a man of pride. He goes, this is the only thing that is being referred to here. So note, isn't that a common failing amongst many uh, brothers and sisters? Astaghfirullah. Indeed, when a person humbles himself, he is given wisdom. How? <laughs> Abdullah ibn Abbas, he relates that our beloved messenger said, there is no man without, without a bridle on his head whose bit is held by an angel. Those when he is humble, the angel is told to raise the bit, give it slack. But when he is arrogant, the angel is told to tighten the bit, i.e. give no room. So let's look at this. So this is recorded in Tabrani, Bazar Hassan, Targheeb number 2561. So it's the Ghib. You can't explain this scientifically. It's, it's the unseen. The angelic realm is unseen. But simply put, there's an angel who has the ability 
to increase you in wisdom. <laughs> Think about that. Look how interesting that is. There's an angel who, and the Prophet used the example of the bridle. So if you got a horse and you, you pull the horse, he can't move. He goes, the angel does that to you, to you, meaning you can't acquire wisdom if you show arrogance. The angel basically holds you back. But if you are humble, it loosens the bridle. Meaning you have now got the capacity to acquire wisdom. So look how beautifully the Prophet explains something here. Humility leads to wisdom. And that wisdom must be blessed because the angel is in charge of it. It's not satanic wisdom. So what is the key to the wisdom which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Humility. So if you go to the extreme of this, uh, you look at the companions. Abu Dhar, so Abu Dhar was the sixth or seventh person to embrace Islam. He's one of the earliest Muslims. He reached such a level of asceticism that the Prophet said, if you wish to see the asceticism of Isa ibn Maryam, look at Abu Dhar, authentic hadith in Tirmidhi. He was very humble. Ali said something even more amazing about him. Ali said, Abu Dhar has become such a vessel of knowledge that he's become helpless. Abu Dhar has become such a vessel of knowledge he's become helpless. What did he mean by that? This is recorded in Qurtubi in his tafsir. What he meant was, he's become so humble <laughs> that he's become a vessel of knowledge. <laughs> so no, that statement would not have made any sense to you without me giving you the prerequisites of what that meant. If somebody just walked in now and heard that statement, he's become such a vessel of knowledge, he's become helpless. What does that mean? <laughs> Why have you become helpless? you become powerful with knowledge. And the response is, you not understood what Ali was ex- clarifying. He goes, he's so humble, he's utterly humble that Allah has given him immense wisdom. And where's the opposite? Shaitan. If you've got pride, will knowledge benefit you? No, it'll destroy you. And where's the proof that knowledge destroys the person of pride? Because he uses it incorrectly. He thinks himself better than others, like shaitan does. He uses it to argue, like shaitan did. Notice, it's all satanic. Who did shaitan argue with? Of all, to, to argue with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think about that. How can the creation argue with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What caused him? Because he thought he knew something. It destroyed him. Right? So knowledge, why did it destroy him? Because he wasn't humble. So note again here, humility is so important. Is linked to, i.e., the understanding of the deen. How beautifully did our beloved messenger describe the believer when he said, The example of the believer is like that of a honeybee. It only eats good. It only produces good. وَإِن وَقَعَتْ عَلَىٰ أُودٍ نَخِرٍ لَمْ if it stands on a weak twig, note it does not break it. This is in Ibn Hiban, Behaki in Shu'ab al Iman. Shaykh al Bani Rahmatullah stated Sahih. 
and Sahih al-Jami number 5846 to 7 as-Sahihah number 355 2288 so look at this amazing mathayl or example of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa because the believer is like the honeybee so straight away you're thinking how is a believer like a honeybee what does the honeybee do the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said it only eats good now what's interesting about that it collects pollen or nectar sorry but it only goes to flowers that have not been touched. And if you watch the nature programs with regards to the bees, because they won't go to those flowers. They'll go to a flower that hasn't been touched. So what did the Prophet say? It only eats good. It's very particular. And it produces good. What does it produce? Honey. Isn't that the believer? <laughs> the believer is very particular about what enters his, you know, his body. So obviously, the obligatory is to keep out of the haram. Nobody has a say in that. But the more pious an individual gets, the more he keeps away from even the doubtful. So the believer, the Prophet said, is like the honeybee. And what does it mean? It produces good. So the honey is produced from the honeybee. What do we produce? <laughs> so the Quran is explaining. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah An-Nahl, Shifa'ul linnas From its belly comes a cure for mankind. So Allah has described honey as a cure for mankind. The believer is, he produces what is a cure for mankind. So what, is, what do the believers produce which is a cure for mankind? And that is his character. Because if you look at the non-Muslims, the one thing that the world over that really impresses them is character. If you pray, they'll say, you know, yes, he's a good Muslim, he prays. If you fast, they say, you know, he fasts as well. But what really impresses them is character. And they won't just mention a sentence about it, they'll keep talking, because I've never seen a person like this. He goes, he's done this and he does that. He goes, have you ever seen a... And so what is that? That is the cure. <laughs> also, what's interesting about that, what did the Prophet mention first? He mentioned pure consumption. After the pure consumption comes the pure output. This is why in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, all believers eat that which is halal and pure and do what is good. So Allah done it again. In the Quran, he says, if you eat what is good and pure, you will naturally do what is good and pure. So if the haram is entering your system, it becomes very difficult to do what is pure. The reason we don't experience this on a grand scale is because we're like a person with overalls who's covered in grease. <laughs> If you put a bit more grease on it, the guy doesn't know, he doesn't know, it makes no difference. But if a person's wearing pure white clothes and his speck comes on it, he notices. And you get, you, and I'll give you an example of this. So Sheikh Nuh, who's, you know, who's still with us, Allah, he said we were invited once by a family, my wife and myself, and we went. And then he says, for so many days thereafter, we found it difficult to worship. Why? Because there was something not quite right with the food. 
because we became kind of lazy in terms of our worship. So why is that strange to many of us? Do we experience that? So note here, the believer, the Prophet said, it only eats good and it only produces good like into the honeybee. But then what did he say? The hadith hasn't finished. Then the Prophet said, If it stands on a weak twig, it doesn't break it. Have you noticed? The honeybee, it shouldn't be able to fly. You know, they're, they're blown away by it. Why is it, how is it flying? It's like a ping pong ball with wings. You know, if you look at it, even you know the kids, when they draw it, they draw it like that. It shouldn't be able to do those amazing maneuvers. But when it sits, what do you notice? No matter how weak the twig is, does it affect the twig? No. How is that likened to the believer? If it stands on a weak twig, it does not break it. Meaning, it is not hurting, harming anything. So the believer does not hurt or harm anybody. He only gets angry for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing personal. So look how beautiful. And this is why there's a surah in the Quran called Surah An-Nahl, the honeybee. A lot of the Quran translators, they say the bee is not the bee, it's the honeybee. You know, Allah has dedicated, named the surah after this, this amazing creation. So why so much wisdom? The Prophet is telling you, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So note again, also about the honeybee. Look at its care and serving of others. <laughs> How much honey does it produce for itself? One percent. So if you look at it, you ask even an atheist, is the bee an intelli- honey bee an intelligent, uh, you know, what do you call it? You can't say creation because they don't believe in creation, right? Because is the honey bee an you know, amazing uh, species? Because, yeah, why? And they start mentioning everything about it. It's okay. But then you say, I'm a bit confused. With why? What's confusing you? Because it's so intelligent, you know, it produces the beehive, it uses hexagonal forms, which is the perfect structure for the most perfect, you know, architect design. It's even doing that perfectly. But yeah, it blows a fuse. Because where does it blow a fuse? Because it produces far more honey than it needs. It only needs 1%. Why does it still produce, you know, 99% more than it needs? No answer. Then you say, I've got the answer. It's serving you. Why is it serving you? Because Rasulullah said, the believer is like the honeybee. The believer serves mankind. Who was the best of the best? Rasulullah. If somebody says to you, did he serve mankind? You say, perfectly. He was the perfect man. Did he not say, the best of you are those who bring the most benefit to others? Did you not say that? In Tabarani. And that's actually a very important hadith in terms of personal worship. When you do your personal worship, you don't benefit others. You're not the best of mankind. So if a person is very fond of salat, fasting, zikr, no problem. How you benefit others? <coughs> You're not the best of mankind. The Prophet gave you a secret here. If you benefit others, you fall or you have a likelihood of being amongst the best of mankind. In Kanzul Omal, the hadith says, the Amir is the servant of the people. 
the Amir is the servant of the people. Right? The Amir isn't the one who sits by eating grapes. He serves the people. Right? So all of this is derived from revelation. Not from, you know, we hear from philosophers and stuff. In addition, to go against any of the divine teachings, thinking it to be burdensome, is nothing but pride. So for example, our beloved mother Sayyida Aisha radiyallahu she relates that her exalted husband sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, if anyone eats with his left hand, then shaitan eats with him. If anyone drinks with his left hand, shaitan drinks with him. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad, 6.77. Drinking standing. In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad 2 301, Abu Huraira radiallahu he said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam once saw a man drinking in a standing posture. He thereupon said, Vomit. The man said, Why? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi asked him, Would it please you if a cat drank with you? He said, No. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Indeed, he was drinking with you who is far worse than the cat. <laughs> so this is in Imam Ahmad's Musnad 2-301. So what's happening? A man's drinking, standing. The Prophet didn't say, stop drinking. He's vomited. Strange command. So he said, why? He's thinking, maybe just uh, water or... The Prophet then asked him a question. And this shows he has some knowledge. Would it please you if a cat drank with you? So... What's important to highlight here, the cut leftovers you can use for wudu. But it is dislike to drink. So externally, no problem. The Prophet would do wudu with that water, but he would never drink from it. And even just logically, cats are clean creatures, but they clean their backside with their tongue. So if they start drinking water, you know, just like a vet to work out, that should have, you should keep away from that. So the Prophet asked that man, would it please you if a cat drank with you? He said, no. Of course I wouldn't drink, if I wouldn't drink the leftovers of a cat. The Prophet said, he was drinking with you who is far worse than the cat. Meaning you thought you were drinking alone. Shaitan was drinking with you. In another report, Abu Huraira radiallahu relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa were he who drinks while standing to know what is in his belly, he would vomit it out. This is in Imam Ahmad's Musnad 2-283, Abdul Razak in his Al-Musannaf and many others. So, the scholars, they point out that to drink standing is not forbidden. It is disliked. So, the, some scholars say greatly disliked. Other scholars say disliked. There are a few scholars saying it's forbidden. But most of the scholars don't agree with that. The reason they don't agree is because the Prophet drank occasionally standing to show permissibility. And also the Sahaba would drink standing on occasion. So if it was completely forbidden, there's no way the Prophet would have drank standing. He's ma'asub, he's protected. But it shows that it can't be forbidden. So most scholars say it is disliked. So that's the ruling. We don't need to go into too much... Why? So everything that is forbidden or disliked means it's causing you harm. 
So there's two ways to look at this. One is shaitan's drinking with you. So that's the greatest hope. When he's drinking with you, that's not going to be a sign of blessings, is it? You're going to get ill. But biologically, putting it very simply, you've got filters. When you drink, and even when you breathe, you've got filters. Your nose is a creation which is a filter. That's why all the, you know, they call them bogies. What are bogies? It's just the filtered dirt from the air. So Allah has given you a filter. The nose is a filter. The air also filters. How? Right? It stops insects entering because the air produces wax. Why doesn't wax get produced in your nose? That's the atheist. You know what's going on there, right? You go, oh, what is Mother Nature is amazing, is it? Very good. Right? So your body's also got filters. When you drink, they've given it names. We don't need to know the names. There's three or four filters. By the time it gets into your digestive tract, it's quite clean. <laughs> However, if you consume anything standing or you drink in particular, it rushes through the filters. Therefore, the purification isn't of a high grade. And this is what the doctors say, go and ask them. If you regularly drink standing, you will harm your the stomach lining. Could lead to ulcers. So again, why is it that everything the Prophet is telling this is bang on? Because he's Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And there's the harm, shaitan. If he's lurking about anywhere and you're mixing with him, he's causing you harm. So here, drinking. So now, drinking and eating with your left hand, that's with shaitan as well. So somebody goes, well, right and left, this is the same thing, isn't it? So the response is, if it was the same thing, then why did the Prophet say, eat with your right hand? And what have they discovered? Again, we don't need to wait for their discoveries. Your right hand produces a plasma which your left hand doesn't. Germacidical <laughs> plasma. So if you eat with your right hand, something mixes with the food, which is does not with your left. How did the Prophet know that? So we don't wait for science to catch up. The Prophet said, class, I'm eating with my right hand. So why am I mentioning these reports here? Because you get people of pride. You tell them, what do they do? I'm left-handed, brother. He goes, I play cricket, left-handed. We're not talking about cricket, brother. We're talking about eating and drinking. He goes, no, but I'm left-handed. I comb my hair with the left hand. We're not talking about combing. We're talking about eating and drinking. Why is he talking like that? He's got pride. Think about that. Which famous companion was left-handed? Umar. Do you telling me that he ever ate with his left hand? Are you stronger than him? So not the Prophet said, Khalas. If he persists, shaitan's eating and drinking with him. Imagine. Oh, and also what's interesting, when you put the when they set the kutri on the dining table, where do my got a chef here, where did they place the forks? On the right or left? Right. Left. Oh, sorry. Are you a chef? Right? The fork is on the left. Who inspired them to do that? When you're growing up, in, you know, when, when the children go to school and they start eating, 
Look what's happening. They're training him to use their left hand. So just turn the knife to the other way. One, I'm not using the fork with my left hand. Shaitan. You know, mix him with this. So note again, right? Pride is when you go against the divine commands. You know, how many times does it happen in your life? A fly falls into your drink. And then you're scared of relating the hadith. You think, this guy, my kufra. But then you think, I think he's got understanding. I'll, I'll tell him. Brother, you know, if a fly falls into your drink, the Prophet وسلم, said, dip the other wing. There's shafa. What's the usual reaction to that? Come on, brother, right? Flies fell into my drink. You want me to put the other wing in it? No, no, you didn't understand, brother. I'm not telling you. Rasulullah said it. And they still persist. Yeah, but I don't want to drink it. What is that? Pride. Right? So, will that person acquire knowledge? Right? Angels pulling your bike. He's not going to acquire nothing. So, pride, humility is just to submit to the command. I don't understand it. Right? Look at all the righteous people who acted upon this. They weren't bothered about science. They weren't bothered about people laughing either. But the Prophet said it. Laugh as much as you want. And isn't there a saying? He who laughs last, laughs loudest. <laughs> so they laughed for, you know, thousands of years. Or a thousand years. And now who's laughing? Suddenly they don't want to talk about it. Why don't you want to talk about the fly? No, no, it's more important things to discuss. But you were laughing about it for a thousand years. And why don't you talk about it now? <laughs> Right? So again, note, all of this is part of the submission. And that's why the word Muslim means to submit. I don't understand. Did the Prophet say, yes, I submit. I don't understand it though. But I submit to what the Prophet said. That's a Muslim. So the Lord is. And just to add this, in Ibn Asini, our beloved mother, Sayyidina Umm Salama, she relates that her exalted husband said, yawning with force, and sneezing with force are both from shaitan. Yawning and sneezing with force are both from shaitan. This is in Ibn Asin. So yawning. Is, the hadith in Bukhari said it's from shaitan. That part from Bukhari Sharif as well. Why? What's wrong with yawning? Brother, you're doing it again, eh? Right? The Prophet said, yawning from shaitan. Are you questioning him, right? No, I just want to know wisdom. All right. First of all, Rasulullah never yawned in his life, ever. He's masoom. That's also important to highlight. So when you're yawned, you've left the sunnah. When you yawn, what are the instructions? The Prophet ﷺ, he said, restrain the yawn. Don't open your mouth. If it overpowers you, then at least cover your mouth. Some people do it this, some people do it that. I don't know what it is that. You cover your mouth. He said, never say ah. Otherwise, shaitan will laugh at you. So, what does he mean ah? So when a person yawns, he makes a noise at the end. And the noise sounds exactly like a dog. Exactly like a dog. And the reason I say that is because the Prophet said it. Because don't yawn like a dog. Watch a dog when it yawns. Very interesting. He yawns and he does this. And he goes, sounds like cha cha Right? Are we dogs? Right? Think about that. Are we dogs? Why are you emulating a dog? Even the cat doesn't do that. The cat's better than you. So, 
the Prophet said, yawning with force. That means you like pelt it out. That's satanic. <laughs> Some people do it deliberately. You know, it's the yawn. And they made, I don't know, but they're drawing attention to the yawn. They're <laughs> thinking, what's, what's going on? And sometimes it's in salat. I think, brother, I'm tired subhanallah. Sneezing. Now, this is interesting. Sneezing is something beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The hadith mentions that. Why sneezing beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Because it's a gift Allah has placed to get rid of any toxins. What a beautiful gift. You know, when you sneeze, that's why you don't you cover your mouth because all the germs will spread everywhere. The Prophet said, cover your mouth when you sneeze. Sneezing is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but not splattering everybody with it. Right? You cover. And the Prophet cover. Cover your mouth and your nose. So when the COVID crisis broke out, you know, we needed to, you know, like, why do we need to be told? Cover your mouth. You have a child, my brother, you know, they're supposed to do that anyway. Right? Cover your mouth, cover your mouth, cover your nose. You know, subhanAllah. So, but sneezing with force is from shaitan. So when a person, you know, he sees him, he's like, he tilts his head back. And you think, oh no, oh no, he's going, he's going for it. Going for what? And then he does that move like, you know, like a wave. <laughs> Why have you splatted it 180 degrees? He goes, no, I have to get it off my chest, right? That's satanic. So note anything which Rasulullah linked to shaitan causes harm. This is what people question. Why did the Prophet say it's from Satan? What sneezing? What's just a bodily reaction? Why can't we eat with our left hands? What's wrong? What's wrong? With, and the response is anything linked to shaitan harms the individual and harms others. The Quran says, "Do not follow in the footsteps of shaitan." Khutawat is shaitan. Allah says that. Don't follow in his footsteps. And the Prophet spelt it out. Another example I can think of is the one where he said, don't sit in half the sun and half the shade. This is where shaitan sits. In Abu Dawood, authentic. Now, sometimes you might be sitting in the shade. But you sit so long that the shade moves. And all of a sudden you notice you're half-halfing. The Prophet said, don't sit there. Shaitan sits there. So again, a person goes, what's wrong with that? The hypothalamus. The hypothalamus is the thermostat that Allah Ta'ala has given to you. If it gets warm, the hypothalamus reacts and you start to sweat, your body starts to cool. If you get cold, the hypothalamus reacts, you start shivering so you get warm. The hypothalamus is a regulator for your body heat. That goes haywire if you have fluctuations in temperature. It harms the hypothalamus. So if you go from extreme cold to extreme heat quickly, it's detrimental for you. Also, what do they say? If you sit in cold and hot, between and cold and hot temperament, in, uh, you know, between the, the Prophet told us, we didn't have to wait for you to tell us. That, so the hyper, so not again, anything that shaitan is doing. Intoxicants, what did the Prophet wasallam say? The Prophet wasallam said, he who takes intoxicants, he's drinking with shaitan. So not again. We don't need to be, you know, you know, a social worker to work out what the harms of intoxicants are, but you're drinking with Shaitan. Keep away from him. 
right? So again, note he's doing this to harm and destroy the, the like he promised the children of Adam and his daughter. So all I mentioned today was basically a few things with regards to character. I mentioned or talked a little bit about humility and the great sin of conceit. And then I mentioned humility actually is tied into your wisdom. And then I mentioned why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam likened the believer to the honeybee. And then of course, keep away from emulating the shaitan. Are there any questions? Subhanallah bihamdi, subhanallahumma bihamdi ka ishru lai ilaha illa anta astafi lika atubu lika wa dhikur lai min shaitan jim subhanallah rabbi ka rabbi al-izzati amma yasifun salamu alayhi wa mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbi al-alameen bismillahi wa alayhi 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 wa alay